0: I tried to kill myself before I even knew what depression was. Um, So that's how little I knew about it all.
1: Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm, I'm really thrilled because me and Simon have been trying to arrange this for a little while. We both have very busy lives, but I've got Simon J with us. Uh, he's the commercial director of the Thrive Therapeutic uh, app. It's some software, which is really exciting. And we've had some business dealing, shall we say, in learning about how do we monitor mental health at work. Uh, welcome to the show, Simon. Hello. Thank you. Nice Thank to see you yeah nice to see you again uh, we're both in a situation where I'm losing my voice and Simon has a baby that's waking up like all the time so our, our pre-talk was like how are we looking after our own mental health right in order to just deal with life so hopefully we'll have an interesting debate today that's gonna be current right oh my goodness my voice um <clears throat> so Simon tell us a little bit about what you do tell us about what you're passionate about at the moment what kind of lights your fire
0: so I'm not a clinician myself. Um, I'm not clinically trained, but I have personal experience of depression. Um, So I have a big interest in working with um, companies, other people who've had experience of it, um, and trying to help, basically. I think I've said before, in another life, I think I would have trained to have been a psychologist. Um, So I'm trying to do my bit for the world now um, without having that clinical training. So yeah, I work with some great guys who are psychiatrists and psychologists um, who have been really helpful in helping me. Um, over the years, but also with, with the sort of training on mental health and being able to deliver talks and seminars and things like that to other people.
1: Yeah, um, totally. So I get
0: enjoyment out of that, which
1: is great. And, so, and you're so good at it. And I, I should say, me and Simon met uh, at a business meeting that was about the, uh, my company, his company, and a third party. Uh, and the thing that drew me to Simon like, immediately was uh, his honesty around his own story. And I think I said some stuff about my life and we were like, we must have coffee uh, <laughs> and just get real, right? <laughs> Let's scrap the meeting. <laughs> Let's just get real together. Um, so I love that about you. So thank you so much for coming on to tell us a little bit about your story. Um, so so I know you suffered from some depression. Give us a little bit of context uh, just to how was it growing up for you? Like was mental health something that was talked about? What was like, did your parents or the education system like set you up for the real world? No, so I... <laughs>
0: Very quickly and briefly, I tried to kill myself before I even knew what depression was um so that's how little I knew about it all but um yeah i I had a a, a really good childhood to be honest i can't complain um I had parents who were together, I had a very loving background um went through school, which was fine um until the age of you know teens hit and bullying started and whatnot, as it does with most people mm. uh, but yeah, it's sort of I remember it being about sort of fifteen sixteen, a few things happened in my life um I was in a in a good place at the time and everything sort of came down around me and it was it was quite difficult to deal with. Um and I remember just isolating myself a bit and it took a couple of years and I got to university and it got worse and worse and worse throughout that time I didn't know what, what was going on. Started to drink a bit at university and I say a bit every night of the week. Yeah <laughs> Um and yeah I just it got to that stage at university where I just I was convinced in my own head that everyone else's life around me around me would be so much better off if I wasn't here. I'd be you know it'd be such a Weight of everyone's shoulders if I wasn't that burden in everyone's life anymore, um, and I really convinced myself of it. I remember writing on bits of paper, you know, the pros and cons of me not being on this world anymore. Wow! And there were any sort of so many more pros than and cons that I would just I was in quite a happy place thinking that if I killed myself, everyone would be a lot happier, um, and I felt good about that. So I tried; it didn't work. I was even more of a failure because. Oh, of <laughs> wow! And, and it took for me to yeah sort of drop out of uni after my first year. Um, my dad was the one who sort of came on side and grabbed me and, and took me out. Um, and within six months to a year, I, I felt a heck of a lot better um, and started work. And I haven't really ever looked back since, to be honest.
1: Um, so... Talk us through that d- depressed bit. So, I'm, I'm, I mean, you're, you're talking with a smile on your face as you talk about the pros and cons, right, of, of literally leaving this planet and, and feeling that other people would be better off without you. And I'm curious just about the headspace you were in. So, like, with hindsight, can you identify that as just a depressive episode? Did you just not know how to talk about it or ask for help? Like, what was going on in that lead-up? So, yeah,
0: this is it. Because Polit- I'm not clinically trained, I have trouble sort of, hitting the nail on the head with the right sort of words, but yeah, I can certainly give you my personal view, which is I, I, I did, I felt really isolated and I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I, I was a a big sort of demand on other people. Um, so a bit lost. Yeah. Very, very lost. Mm. Um, I, my my dad had a successful career, my mum had a successful career. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do and I was sort of, I say sort of worrying. I was worrying a lot about what I was going to do with my life.
1: Um, So there's a lot of pressure or people asking like, what are you going to make of yourself?
0: Well, this was it. To be honest, there wasn't really any, the pressure's always been put on me by me. I never had any pressure from anyone else, but it's always the pressure that I had to make other people proud of me. Um, And I didn't know what I was going to do that could make people proud of me. Um, I think that's what sort of drove the the pressure and um, yeah, feeling so lost all the time because I just, I wasn't clinically trained. Um, I did have a rough time through school. I, I had to go to, to four schools in the end because of bullying that, that I, was, I was involved in. Um, I wasn't the bully; I was the
1: bully. Sure, sure,
0: sure, sure. <laughs> so it was quite rough, and I, I didn't probably do do as well at school as I probably could have done. I didn't do badly, but I, I probably could have done better. Um, and because of that, I just yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do, and I guess that's why all the feelings sort of
1: built up over time and did you have any like um social networks or or mentors or i don't know there's obviously the the discussion just around being a man and masculinity and what is it okay to ask for help and like was there anyone in your life that you felt you could go to with this kind of stuff
0: do you know what this is another sort of sad thing when i look back there there was there was a lot of people that i was actually close to at the time Um, sure I've, I've always been very close to my mum. I have close friends. I've got a, a great network of close friends. Um, but I think that because depression wasn't talked about, you know, 15 years ago, I, I or certainly not as much as it is now. Um, you know, I, I didn't feel comfortable in talking about it. I, I didn't know how or why I felt the way I felt. Um, I thought it was a real one-off, and I was so different to everyone else that I felt like this. That you know, I can't tell people. And actually, I was very good at putting a brave face on. Um, of
1: course. Very of course. good. Yeah. yeah.
0: No one had to know. And yeah, I could deal with it. And um, well, I couldn't deal with it, obviously, but I felt I could. Well, you
1: felt like you probably had to. And I just think it's fascinating. The thought process that goes on that we're the only ones dealing with it. I remember when I had a baby and a toddler and I, completely isolated myself from the outside world because I felt like such a failure for not accepting or enjoying motherhood uh, and and just not having an education and just feeling worthless like all that stuff and even though you might have friends and be like hey how was your day you're not right. going hey last night i felt so worthless that i was thinking about driving my car into a brick wall like that's a yeah. bit like whoa you know um, and you do genuinely think that you're the only one who's feeling like that like no you compare what's the saying you compare your insides to other people's outsides right um, yeah. and so there and and I think that's the biggest problem of all is that we think that we're struggling on our own and then as soon as we begin having these conversations we realize like oh one in four or like lots of people yeah. get the the depression thing um so you obviously attempted and I mean, that's just you, you got straight to the brink, and um, and then you 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 come to or like talk us through that the the immediate bit afterwards.
0: Yeah. Um, so I I I won't go into detail of sure. how, but I don't like to give tips away. I um, think that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, my tips are rubbish anyway. But <laughs> the afterwards, it was a, a real sense of shame, and and you know why have I done this? Um, and I I i been very upset for a good few days afterwards. Um, a sort of emotional turmoil in my head of why hasn't this happened? And then actually perhaps this is the best thing that's ever happened to me that it didn't happen mm. and sort of balancing that was difficult for a few days. And I, again, I, I remember withdrawing myself a lot for a few days. I didn't really leave my room at all for about three days afterwards. Um, just cause I was trying to balance all of that in my head, I guess. Um, but yeah, the immediate afterthought was, thank goodness that didn't happen. Um, wow. and it was almost a, almost within a week, it was a, a real wake up call to think, this is that was rock bottom, and I'm I'm so glad nothing happened, and I can rebuild from here. There's there's nothing you know, it can't get worse. I can now rebuild, um, and that was a big sort of motivation then to to get home and start press the reset button basically, um, and just start over again.
1: And so, so, and so, obviously, you're in a successful career now. You, you, you have a partner and a baby, and like, um, uh, you know, things are going pretty good. You've got loads of language around mental health and all the rest of it. Um, and the reset button sounds like a simple thing. Like, you actually push the button, and now we're on the path to wonderfulness, right? Um, and so I'm curious about like. What was that little bit like? Like, did you start talking about it? What were those initial steps of, of you know, was it just taking time away? What, was it getting therapy? Like, what what was the reset button? What, what does that mean?
0: So I um I had a bit of a, a sort of bad experience with the NHS as well, to be honest. So I, I didn't really get any formal therapy or, or support in that sense. I, I went to my GP um, and I got a referral to the NHS, um, and I sat down with my C B C therapist at the time and. Uh, said how I felt and all the problems around it and why I felt the way I felt and the CVS therapist said to me your problems sound real so we're, we're not going to be able to help I'm afraid. What um, the hell does that mean? I know it's very strange that was a bit of a a bit of a case of it, it could have gone one way or the other that moment to me but from that <laughs> point, I guess I thought to myself well do you know what I'm going to help myself then. Um, if if no they're one real
1: ever, then I can tackle it.
0: Then yeah I'm going to help myself um, and that was a bit of a kick up the, the backside to be honest to really try and help myself and not rely on other people um and yeah support myself so that's what i did i guess um what did you do so i did i, I started playing football again that was a big thing for me oh uh, nice and, um
1: and started, and belong community right yeah absolutely
0: um so when we were all young, all of our, our friends had a football team when we were kids and we used to play together. Um, and then at the age of 18, what happens is that that stops in the sort of youth sense and you become adults and then you have to play in adults teams and all the rest of it. But all of us started that team again when we were adults. So it was the same group of players that all played together for, since we were, you know, kids. Amazing. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I got myself involved in that. Um, work, I think work really helped me. Um, so I started, I, I fell into recruitment, um, which is, which is, fine I won't say a bad word about it um but I started recruiting mental health professionals so I started recruiting psychiatrists and psychologists and I found that fascinating
1: Okay,
0: Uh, and that was a bit of a case of me going wow actually I had no idea that the recruitment industry even existed when I was a kid and now I've fallen into this and I actually find it really interesting talking to these people about the work they do and and all the rest of it and I got to visit hospitals and visit care homes and and I, I really enjoyed that um so I think that that was the biggest thing for me I think was learning about mental health helped me help myself if that made sense um and I think that was the biggest thing for me and that's why I love this this industry so much Um
1: so yeah yeah so so you start um get I suppose getting a bit of purpose a bit of self-worth through working and and that sort of thing and you're also learning about the industry so you're starting to ask questions and all of that um do you think that your that your adversity, I guess, so you being in that rock bottom point was actually beneficial for you? And I know that sounds almost horrific because you've literally attempted your life, you know, um, but but I'm always curious about, are those the moments that make us or um, could we actually have done the great things that, that you're doing or the, the things that I'm doing? Had we just stayed in a like, oh, I'm a bit down. Oh, I'm okay. You know, what do you think?
0: I think, yeah, that's that's it. For me, it was having that moment of it can't get any worse that allowed me to think it can only go up from here. Um, you know, I moved back with mum and dad. I didn't have a job. I wasn't earning money, and it it couldn't have got any worse. than I mean, sure. it
1: could of course, it could have gone well, up. Yeah, but, but it in, felt like a total rock bottom for you.
0: Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, everyone was in in work and earning money, or at university and doing well, and I had nothing. I was I, starting again, basically, with GCSEs, and, and that's it um so yeah that that was the moment that sort of that was my big adversity and that was the bit that that gave me that kick to think I can do this now um and I can make something of myself even if it takes a long time and all the rest of it I need to find something that I'm passionate about you're right what you said that gives me purpose I think that was a big thing for me um and just to to find something like that that I could do that didn't feel like work and that I could really throw myself into um and that's what seems to work so yeah, yeah
1: yeah so having some some purpose um and i know occasionally you talk in schools and universities about your story and about um you know being suicidal and about your mental health like what sort of advice do you give the kids or the university students like given your your hindsight what what do you suggest
0: i think the, the, the biggest thing is talking um and it's it's amazing how how simple some advice can be how much impact it can have um because I guess people are, even though we all talk about it now, you know, you and I talk about it a lot. and We talk about it a lot of work and the things we do and all the rest but of it. But we're also
1: in the industry, I have to say, because yeah, occasionally that's... I go to do training and I'm like, oh, you guys, this is new. And I'm exactly. like, oh, everyone talks about mental health. No, they don't. They that's do exactly. They do more, but we're just in that scene, right? So we see it every day. But yeah. actually
0: there are, you know, most of the you know, average Joe down the street doesn't see it every day. So it, it's those really simple things like talking to people and and learning about what mindfulness and in cbt is and how that can help um just those little nuggets can help people and, and help people start to think okay well maybe that experience i had a few weeks ago maybe that was something i should talk about or maybe the pressure that i've got in the uh, at school with exams is something that i should go and speak to someone about or whatever and it's all these little things that can happen as a result of the stress and the pressure that they're going through um such as I see a lot of kids where they'll, they'll snap at their parents or snap at their friends. Um, and you know, very quickly relationships can come, become very hard. Um, mm, and, strained. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, and that's just a result of pressure. Um, and it's really simple things that you and I probably think to ourselves, you know, easy to identify, but actually those really simple things can, can really help people. So it's trying to bring mental health down a level to a really understandable way for everyone. That's what I try and do, make it real for people. Um, And I, I swear, I, you know, I say, I try, I say things to bring it down to, you know, everyone's level, as I say. Um, And I think that helps people. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. So um, talking, rec- so I'm I'm hearing about self awareness. So recognize what's going on in your body. I definitely know if I start snapping at my kids or um, just being a bit of a bitch. You know, I'm like, whoa, what's happening? I need to look after myself a little bit. Or where's the pressure? Or who do I need to talk to? Or how do I take a step back? But that's like over a decade of trying to learn that self awareness through messing up and then coming back and then messing up and all that. Um, obviously you tell you. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think young people as well, the biggest thing with young people and me when I was young, that I can identify with is
0: you identify speaking about mental health as a weakness. Um, the big thing I've always had a problem with is that the phrase is man up. Um, and also big boys don't cry. You know, we tell kids that from yeah, a really yeah. young age Super and, young. and actually they're the sorts of things that can be deep rooted and, and make people think that they are weak if they cry. And, and that's the sort of thing that I, I, I struggle with. So yeah, speaking about that to young people in particular, about how actually it takes a huge amount of strength and bravery to actually speak about how you feel. Because um, not many other people do it. And that obviously shows that it takes courage to speak about that sort of thing.
1: Well, and and we, we, yeah. I was just going to say, we both know that the suicide rate is higher for men. And there's something endemic in society about, you know, that, you know, man up culture yep. that just yep. makes it wrong to show weakness when actually, you know, boys are, you know, ending their life.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of male pride in general that that men won't talk about, which is a general pressure to want to provide. You know, it's a it's a natural instinct that's been around since we were, you know, monkeys. It's 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 been through evolution. It's it's a natural male pride to want to provide, and if we can't do that, it, we do put pressure on ourselves. And um, and I think there's there's that as well that's deep rooted um, that that men I think struggle with.
1: So the idea that you guys have to play a particular role and if you don't play that role, you're less of a man or you're not worth something or that sort of stuff.
0: That's that's a common theme that I hear with the sort of, um, I do a lot of talks with companies as well with, with banks and financial institutes and, and that's a, a common theme that comes up from a lot of men that come and speak to me afterwards, yeah. Um, they feel that they struggle with balancing everything in their life and keeping their family happy and their kids happy and, and then finding time for themselves as well and that's a common thing. I think that's um, that's aside from the youth stuff, but that's something that that yeah crops up quite a lot in in the work I do.
1: Yeah, well, uh, and then it um goes down the next generation, right, without even realizing it. So those men are giving those messages to their boys just because they had them, and it to, like the cycle continues. Yeah, that's right. Goodness. True. Um, and so would you still s- identify with the term depression? Would you say you still have depression? What are the things that you do now to to look after yourself?
0: So I am. Um... I'm a, a, and this is why I, I don't say that I'm, you know, I'm an expert in this area because I, I'm not clinically trained at all. But my belief is that people don't, you're never sort of cured from depression, but you learn how to live with it and manage it and all the rest of it. And actually, it doesn't need to affect your life. But once you've had those feelings, you know what it feels like and how you can probably get those feelings back again. So you have to learn how to manage it. Um, well, that's how I see it. Anyway, that's personally how, you know, how it affects me. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd say that I, I mean, my, my, my dad passed away almost a year ago today now. Um, I, I obviously felt a bit down for a few days after that, or I say a few days, quite a while, obviously. Yeah. Which is natural. Exactly. That's it. And I, I can't say that I was, you know, clinically depressed in that time because it's very natural for someone to have a bereavement in the family for someone that you're close to and to feel down for it. That's, that's totally natural. Um, but I wouldn't say i had a, de- a depressive episode for, for a long time now, um, and it's purely because of managing it and, and being aware of the signs and making sure I keep up with the exercise and social networks and not Facebook, but social, you know, the, my network of social connection
1: friends. people. Yeah.
0: that's it. Um, and by doing those things, I, I, now I, I'm very happy in day to day life. Um, and I, you have to work at it. I think everyone has to work at it. Um, but it shouldn't be a chore, it's not, it's not hard work, it's not You know, something that I don't look forward to. It's, it's, it's fun things, but it's just making sure that I do the exercise and, and
1: stay connected with people. Um, those are two really important ones. I just yeah. want to stress those. Whatever it looks like for individuals, it's going, uh, we've got to move our body because that helps our mind and we've got to get real with people. So when we say socializing, yes, it's about banter and hanging out, but it's also about having the core people that you can just be real with if you need to be hundred percent
0: and actually i i one thing I have learned over time as well is that I'd much rather have you know four or five friends that I'm really close to that I can share everything with than twenty friends that I you know we all have banter and go to the pub and things like that, but I don't really talk to any of them um that's been really important for me to like you say to have those really close knit people that I can speak to and and take to one side and they can speak to me as well and, and we've got that really open sort of communication um i guess where We do all help each other and there's that genuine sort of sincerity there so yeah
1: yeah what are your um warning signs uh for yourself because so you said you manage depression and you you have to live with it but there's things that you can do so we know that there's exercise and i know that you have a young baby and so you get less sleep and your work is pretty full on and like life is pretty full on all good things but really full on so What are your warning signs um, that that you have to go, hold on a minute, like, oh, I need to reassess or my exercise is down? Or, like, how do you know?
0: So the warning signs um, that I look out for, I guess, for me are, I've always been quite, I've always struggled with being a bit of a giver with people So as far as my own time. um, If I had a a short window of time but someone asked me for a bit of help, I'd I'd quite happily help them rather than, you know, do my own thing. Basically, that's always been a bit of a problem of mine. Um, because I would run myself into the ground and not give myself any time, but I thought that was the best thing because it was making everyone else happy. Um, so it's been a hard thing for me to learn to be a bit more selfish. Um, and actually think to myself, you know, I, I need an hour or two every day, where I just chill out um, and read a book or spend time with the family or, or whatever. Um, and that's been the biggest thing for me is, is forcing myself to have that time that's just to myself.
1: So um, having some boundaries and not feeling guilty about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, re- I, would, I, go ahead. Sorry.
0: I was going to say, I always would feel guilty if I, you know, if I said I can't do this because I, I'm just having some time to myself or whatever. Um, I, that's unacceptable to say, or you used to feel like that was unacceptable to say.
1: Um, one of the best coaching questions I learned and which helped me get divorced was if guilt didn't exist, what would you be doing? Um, and i and i'll ask myself that from time to time but um i you know that i'm a little bit ill and losing my voice a little bit and i'm so i'm really recognizing what you're saying and yeah just giving like i love it's like two sides of the same coin right really giving to people makes us really good in the work that we do and we're really able to connect and look after people like it's this beautiful skill right uh this beautiful ability to connect and be there for other people and if there isn't the boundary, it can kind of flip and be the dark side because it can pull us down, right, and completely empty us of all resources. I love how I learned something myself every podcast. I needed to be reminded of this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so there's, there's something in that boundary. But it's so hard, isn't it, to just say – like if someone just says – Oh, I'm, I'm moving house. Can can we use your car? Or, or, um, do you mind if I just stay on your sofa? I've got this or like things like that. And I actually really need to guard my, my brain and my space in order to be able to function at the level I do like do big speaking gigs and like, you know, um, yeah. but it's still hard to just, yeah. it like, I went on this course recently where they were just like, no is a full sentence. No, yeah. just and we had to literally practice just going <laughs> these different scenarios of asking you to do stuff that felt like can I just borrow some money? And you just had to go no <laughs> with no like caveat or no like, uh, okay, well, you know, um yeah. it's a really good skill to practice. Yeah. Do you do you recognize in yourself when you're like, Oh damn, I've said yes way too many times, like I need to pull back?
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm quite strict now on having um to do lists myself and managing my time really effectively. Uh, okay. So my colleagues go, go nuts with it. But I, I sort of manage every hour by hour with my diary um, quite religiously um, because then it allows me to keep hours free. than are just my time um, and it allows me to not book anything else in during that time and all the rest of it. I, I found last year in particular, we, we're getting so busy at work um, that I found it very hard to say no to people when they said, can you come and show us the app or can you do this or can you come and talk to our you know, employees? And I'd find that five days a week, I was traveling the country, having meetings nonstop and all the rest of it. And it would take my Saturdays and Sundays or my evenings to then go through my emails and reply to everyone. And, and it was a non-stop cycle of just a never-ending, endless list of people that I had to see and emails to reply to. And, and it was, yeah.
1: Because there's this idea that you're going to catch up at some point and actually yeah. be able to breathe and you never get there because your email perpetuates the next one and it just carries on.
0: It's fine. Yeah, if I spend all day Sunday, I'll catch up. But then, yeah.
1: Yeah, of course you don't. So, yeah. yeah.
0: It doesn't. ever work like that. But so I'm trying to be a lot more strict on my time now, um, and that allows me to then do all the social things I want to do and um, go to the gym, go for runs, and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's that's the biggest thing that's helped me. I think is managing my time really effectively.
1: Um, yeah, managing time, noticing the signs, occasionally saying no, uh, and and learning about the the boundaries. Um, and then finally, and and I will just ask you to connect us to the app as well. Um, uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? So the kid who's at university who's like, oh, I pressure, you know, all of that. Like what, what advice would you give to the guy who's just doing that pros and cons list? What a visual image that is of yeah. you, you just as a young man sitting down going pro. Like, I'm just like, what the hell was on this list, right? Yeah. Um, but th- what, what advice would you give to that guy who's there pen and paper? So I, the, the funny thing
0: that I think in my head is I used to worry so much about what I was going to be when I was older. Um, and the funny thing about that is that when I was worrying about it, apps didn't even exist. And now I, (laughs) so it's, it's weird thinking that the the job that I was so worried that I wouldn't have didn't even exist then. And I couldn't have even imagined that it would have existed. Um, so just uh, take each day as it comes and take pressure off. I think I spent a lot of days worried about stuff that so much so that I didn't actually enjoy the time that I had when I was, when I was younger. So I think for me it's that there is so much time to go between the time that you're a teenager to now, you know, I'm 30 years old. Um, that's so much time. It doesn't feel like it when you're young, but there's so much time in that period that you can do whatever you want to and actually take time out to, to travel and to do things that you love doing. Not that you think you should do because your parents tell you, you should get a job and work in an office, you know, go and do what you love doing and make a career out of that. Um, that's, that's, the advice that I'd give someone else.
1: I so, love that so much. I love that so much. Uh if people want to connect with you or get you involved in a in a talk or listen, hear more about the Thrive app, what where can they find you?
0: So, uh our website is www.thrive.uk.com. Um I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my name's Simon J and yeah, Feel free to, to get in touch if anyone would like more information
1: love it we'll add all that into the show notes simon thank you so much for your time and your vulnerability i knew this talk would be good i'm <laughs> glad i like didn't cancel because i was sick i was like we need to get simon uh, appreciate it so much thank you thank you petra i really, really appreciate it yourself as well so thank you